Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Joel Block. Thanks for being on the show again, Joel. Hey, Whitney. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for being on the show again and taking time out of your busy schedule. Well, you've probably heard of Joel's name before. He's been on the show. He was show WS46. I would encourage you to go back and listen to that so you can learn more about him as well. I mean, he's someone that's been in the syndication and hedge fund business for 30 years. He's got tons of experience in this business, and I'm looking forward to getting into the conversation today. But a little about him, an American business executive and professional speaker specializing in the topics of real estate, finance, and sales. He assists attorneys in complex litigation cases involving real estate, securities, and alternative investments. Block's roles involve consultation, litigation strategy, and expert testimony. Block has been cited in media and press outlets, including Entrepreneur, The Los Angeles Times, Wall Street Journal, Forbes Small Business, San Fernando Valley Business Journal, Investors Business Daily, Los Angeles Business Journal, and the San Antonio Business Journal. So he's done all this. He's, he's been in this business about as long as anybody I know, probably. And he's done, I don't know how many hedge funds. And I mean, he knows the syndication business inside and out. I'd also like to mention he has a great YouTube channel you should check out, and he'll tell you more about it as well, I'm sure, especially at the end of the show, and tell you how to find that, where he answers all kinds of listeners' questions. And so people submit questions to him, and he'll make a YouTube video about it and explaining in detail the answers. But Joel, thank you again for your time today, and give the listeners a little more about who you are, possibly, because it's been so long since, since you were on the show, and then let's dive right in. Well, listen, thanks for having me back. You've accomplished so much. I mean, it's amazing. You've got over 300 shows and you're just rolling along. You're doing great. But I've been in the syndication hedge fund business for almost my entire career. And in some capacity, I was in venture capital for many years. But all these businesses are really the same because you raise money and then you place the money into some asset with the objective of giving the investors their money back plus more. And that's really what we're all doing, whether we're doing it in real estate, whether we're betting on ventures, businesses, films, whatever we're doing. To me, I look at it all the same. So I came from the CPA business. I learned this business when I was a youngster at Pricewaterhouse uh, doing tax work for a giant real estate syndicator. I hated doing the tax work, but I love reading the partnership agreements. And I said, that is the business I want to be in. I want to be a deal maker just like those guys. So I quit the firm and me and another guy did a little teeny apartment building in the late 80s. And I've been involved probably in 40 or more deals now since then. Nice. So, you know, as we were talking to beforehand and looking through some, even some of your videos, there's numerous questions on there that people have sent to you that would be great to cover today. And I look forward to getting into a couple of them. And what is the difference in a retail investor and a professional investor? There's probably a lot of listeners that have like really haven't heard that there's a difference or, or what that even means at all. So I'd love to, you know, just you to elaborate yeah. on that and us talk through that a little sure. bit. I mean, listen, you can pick any of these that you want. Here's the thing is that 99% of people are retail investors. And that means they buy their investment from somebody else and they sit around and they're used to having absolutely no control over the outcome. So what happens is they buy something and they hope that it goes up. Professional investors do not hope anything happens. When our car runs low on gas, we don't bang on the gas tank and hope that it springs back to full. That's just not what we do. What we do is we activate a strategy. We run into a gas station, fill up the tank, and keep going. And that's what professional investors do. Very, very different from retail investors. And that's not to say that there's a couple of really good retail investors out there, but for the most part, the pool of retail investors 
They just don't have a lot of insight. They don't have a lot of information. They don't have a lot of ability to really control what happens. The whole syndication business, the fund management business, the, the business that we're all in together is we control a lot of what we do. Now, when you bet on deals in the stock market, you have almost no control. I mean, you really are just doing your best guess, whether it's scientific, algorithmic, or whatever it is. But in real estate, we have a lot of control. And professional investors do a really good job of controlling the outcome of an investment. If there's 10 houses on a street and one is underpriced, it's almost like that house lights up in green for those of us that are in this business and we know what we're doing. Because we look at it, every house is worth 100, we can buy this one for 50, it's gonna cost us 20 grand to fix it up, five grand to, to sell it or do whatever we gotta do, and we're gonna net 25. And we can do that over and over and over again with great accuracy. And retail investors just can't do that. That's something that professional investors do. And that's the reason that this whole industry exists, is that retail investors want to get on the coattails and ride us into the sunset because they'll give us their money and share the profits because we know how to do things that they don't know how to do. And that really, at the end of the day, is the big difference between retail and professional investors. Yeah. That, I mean, that's really our passive investors or limited partners, isn't it? I mean, they're busy doing their day job or that they're really good at or their business that they're focused on every day. And they don't even want to know all the ins and outs of the real estate business or funds of, of any kind. But like you said, they want to know that person like us that, that does and that has control over that investment. You know, sometimes they do want to get involved, which doesn't usually work out well for them. <laughs> but what's interesting about what you just said is that these are passive investors. And a lot of people, especially in the, the real estate promoters, the people selling courses will call everybody an investor. It's not accurate to call everyone an investor because there are passive investors and there are active investors. We are active investors. We take title to the real estate. We actually work the real estate. We do the job that we need to do. And by the way, whether it's real estate, film, entrepreneurship, whatever it is, whatever category, it doesn't matter because the money works no matter what. I look at money as a tool. To me, it might as well be a shovel or a hammer. And I use that money to make more money. Regular people don't have the same kind of relationship that syndicators and money managers do. In fact, one of the things that I always say is that the money is not made in the real estate. Everybody thinks it's the real estate. It's not the real estate. The money gets made in the money. And if you control the money, you can buy all the real estate you want. So you have to control the money in order to you know move along and do what it is that you want to do. I like looking at the money like a shovel. I haven't heard that analogy before, but you know, you're talking about how money is made in the money. You have to control the money to be able to buy the real estate. Like you said, I mean, it's, it's smart. So it's really looking a little deeper. But you know, thinking about those different types of investors, and I noticed another question too that someone had asked you all, and I thought you could elaborate. You know, it's like that family versus outsider. Which one of these types are the best investor for you know when we're syndicating any kind of commercial deal? Like everything, there's pros and cons. And so should you go get outside money or should you get family money? Well, listen, almost everybody starts with family money. And the reason they start there is because that's the low hanging fruit. When you're first getting organized, you probably have a mediocre track record. Maybe you have a light track record. You don't have a lot going on. Your family's probably going to overlook that because they're going to try and give you a leg up as best they can. If something goes wrong, they're probably going to give you a little easier time. Now, that doesn't mean that your own grandmother wouldn't sue you under certain circumstances. And that happens. And by the way, that's the reason that you need a private placement, you know, the legal documents and all the stuff that attorneys prepare, and I'm not an attorney, but all these documents that legally the attorneys prepare because it really tries to slow down lawsuits and tries to prevent you from having these problems. 
And that, you know, is whether you have one investor or a hundred, and it doesn't matter if that investor is your grandmother or a stranger, anybody could cause lots of different problems under some circumstances. So back to family versus outsider, family is a really great place to start. I don't know how much money your family has. If they have a great amount of money, that's fine. The truth is though, if you rely on your family, you never really build a business. It may be very simple. It may be more convenient to do it that way, but it's not really a business because you don't have outsiders that are third parties that are kind of arm's length giving you capital. I will say though, that uh, as you start to move away from your family, unless your family has extraordinary means, you know, you start having the ability to leverage the track record that you've built with your family money into bigger deals, bigger opportunities where you're raising more capital from more people. And then you really start to create a base of people that is much larger, much more diverse, and then it's going to serve you way into the long term. You don't want to be concentrated with one or two or three investors. You really want to spread it out. There are people, one of the other kind of the, the kind of the ancillary question to family or outsiders is should you get a whale, a giant investor, or a bunch of small ones? Certainly, it's probably easier to get a whale, but that whale is probably going to exercise a lot of control over your business, whereas a bunch of small people will not. The other thing is that whale, if the person has a temper tantrum or a bad day or it dies or something happens to them, it's hit by a bus, your whole business goes away. So you don't always want to take the shortcut. Sometimes doing it a little harder is a little better. And you just have to do it the right way that works for you. Yeah, that's the idea of like having all your eggs in one basket and that one large investor. We want those investors, of course, but I appreciate how you say, you know, we, we don't just want that one. Here's the thing is that let's say you find one of these big guys, you'd be better off to spread that person across five deals instead of getting five million in one deal, spread that person across five deals at a million apiece, limit the amount of control that that person has in any single deal so that they can't vote you right out of business and control everything. And I mean, some people would say, well, why even syndicate? I got this big guy that's just going to give me the money. Well, here's the thing is that that guy's going to probably demand that you take all your profit on the back end, which is fine. But syndicators typically get paid in two distinct ways. One is for being smart, which is your back end profit. And that's fantastic. That's how we make the majority of our money. But we also have to keep the lights on. We have to take fees for our time. So if you got to hire a real estate broker, that real estate broker might as well be you if you're properly licensed to do that in your state. If you need a property manager, you could hire one or it might as well be you, the, the promoter, if you're properly licensed to do that in your state. If you're going to need a repair and maintenance company, there's no reason you can't set that up. As long as you're disclosing all these things in your operating agreement to your investors, you're going to be okay. And that's what attorneys do is they lay these things out so that you're properly organized. And large investors are simply not going to allow you to take those fees. And partly they do it sometimes to be a little bit mean-spirited. They want to put the thumb on you a little bit because sometimes if they can squeeze you, they may end up making a little more money that way and throw you out of business. So you really have to think about your long-term business interest and not necessarily do what is easy in the first five minutes of your career because the patterns that you set up are going to last a long time and they're going to serve you well if you do a good job. Yeah. Great advice. And you've been in this business 30 years, which is amazing. But I ask most guests, like, you know, the hardest part of the syndication process for you or maybe what it's been over the years. And maybe that's been, you know, some of the stuff we've been talking about. But what would you say, Joel? The only thing that's hard about this business is raising the money. Sometimes deal flow is hard. There are times in the economic cycle where it's not easy to get deal flow. But what really determines your ability to be a syndicator is your ability to raise money. Your ability to stay in the business has to do with putting together good deals. But 
if you can't get a steady flow of capital moving in your direction, if you can't create some momentum around capital raising, and that involves a lot of different things, but if you can't do that, then you can't possibly succeed in this business. And part of how you create that momentum is by giving investors a deal that they can say yes to. And that may seem so obvious, but sometimes common sense is not common practice. I've seen so many deals and, and you know, listen, I work with attorneys. I move a lot of business to attorneys and I have great relationships with them, but you have to understand how to use an attorney like you would use a shovel or a hammer or anything else. I mean, they're an important tool in the process, but this is not a legal business. This is a selling business. And attorneys sometimes will advocate for you so much that they'll end up writing documents that are so one-sided that no one will ever say yes. And I can't tell you how many individual investors have gone to promoters and they look at the documents and it says, we're going to get this and this and this and this, and you're going to get hardly anything. And then by the way, then we're kicking you out after a while and we're going to keep the real estate long-term. This is not the kind of deal that investors want to be involved in. You're not the only syndicator in North America. I mean, there are lots of alternatives that people have, especially now with the internet, they can find people easier. So you, you really want to be very careful that you're doing what I refer to as investor-friendly deals, you know, where you're giving them a fair arrangement. There is plenty, plenty enough money for us to make in this business that we don't have to be enormously egregious like it's the only deal we're ever going to do. So if you want to create good momentum and have a good steady flow of capital, then you need to create some really good investor-friendly terms. And we answer all these questions in these little videos that we produce a couple of them every week from questions that people write in just like these. So being in this business this long, and I, and I ask almost every guest, the one thing that's contributed to your success, and you know, I'd love to hear that from your perspective, or maybe the trick to succeeding in this business, or what the one thing has been for you. Well, this business has two tricks. One is you have to succeed at doing good real estate deals. That's mandatory. You have to do good deals. And the second thing is you have to have a steady flow of capital. And that really is the main thing. And to me, the most important thing about having a steady flow of capital is that you create these investor-friendly terms, that you have a certain attitude about making your deal investor-friendly. A lot of guys will say, I want to give my investors X percent and then kick them out and I'm keeping the real estate. What investors really want is they want something that's safe with some upside. They want a CD with a lottery ticket attached to it. Somebody told me that one time and, and it just stuck with me that that's what they want, a CD with a lottery ticket attached. They don't want something that's crazy, ridiculous, uh, dangerous, risky, that's going to lose all their money. They just want something where they can make a good percentage return. And if you can deliver to them a good percentage return, and by the way, that's not 30% a year. It's 8, 10, 12% a year because it's much more than they can get almost anywhere else. It's a reasonable rate of risk that they can tolerate. They're not going to lose sleep at night and they're going to feel good about it. And there's a pretty good chance that you're going to be able to deliver on your promises. And this is another place where things go wrong. I had somebody ask me one time, uh, we actually another one of our little videos, what's the right amount of capital to raise? Well, the right amount is the amount that you can actually raise. And that may seem obvious because this attorney says to this guy, well, how much you need? He said, I need 3 million. He goes, well, listen, I can save you a bunch of money. Let's just tack on a zero and make it 30. And then you can raise the other 27 million practically for free. You don't have to pay for more legal documents. So the guy said, is this good advice? I said, it's the worst advice ever. Because how much can you raise? Well, I can probably raise, you know, I don't know, two, three million, you know, give or take. And that's what I need for the deal that I want to do. 
I said, it's a tremendous amount of money, two or $3 million. And if you tell the investors you're going to raise three and you raise 2.7, 2.8, 2.9, you know, then you've accomplished your goal. You've got 99% of the way to your goal or 100% of your way. You did what you said you were going to do and you accomplished it. If you tell them you're raising 30 and you do 10, then you raise 10% of what you told them you're going to do and the investors look at like you like you're a failure. In the meantime, you hit the ball out of the park. So sometimes attorneys, they don't mean to do this, but when they start giving business advice, which is exactly what they shouldn't be doing, they end up setting you up for failure in a way that they don't realize is it's kind of an unintended consequence. So there's lots of things that we have to do to create that momentum with investors. And that's just such an important trick. It's so fundamental that you can't even call it a trick, but that's what it is. Mm. So what is you know, like your best advice for caring for investors and getting that momentum going? We don't, we're about out of time, but maybe just something that you can leave us with in that regard. You know, listen, I think that, uh, you know, you have to create these friendly terms, terms that are fair to you and fair to them. It's entirely fair for you to get paid fees for taking care of the real estate. I would not position yourself as overhead. I'm not a big fan of asset management fees because that's overhead, but real estate brokerage, somebody's got to do it, might as well be you. Property management, somebody's got to do it, might as well be you. Anything that needs to be done, might as well be you. And if you're licensed and you're capable to do those kind of jobs, you should do them because investors in the syndication business need you. They want you to stay into the long term. Unlike a hard money lender where they actually want to take the property away from you, they hope you fail. In our business, they need us to stick around. They need us to be successful. So lay out good terms and it's going to work out. Nice. Well, Joel, you've been a great guest again. I appreciate your time and expertise and sharing just from you know 30 years of experience. There's not many people that can say they've been doing this that long and had as much experience. And I would also encourage listeners to go back to WS46 and listen to that show with Joel, and then also check out his YouTube channel. But also, Joel, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you, learn more about you, and find the YouTube channel. The best thing to do is we put out videos that answer all these kinds of questions twice a week. Go to syndicatefast.com, syndicatefast.com, sign up. Twice a week, you'll get our little newsletter that has the new video. Once you get on the mailing list, you're, you're welcome to write in questions and we'll answer those questions. And it'll open up this library. Right now, we have 90 or 100 assets in the library. It's growing all the time and it's totally free. So we really love this business. We want people to learn about this business. And for some people who really want to go to the next level, we do a uh, symposium a couple times a year and hopefully Whitney will join us at the next one where we really take a deep dive and help people understand this business. So that's it, man. This is a, this is a great business. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.